Hey guys, Rohan here. There's something I noticed about entrepreneurship podcasts. I'm just not finding them to be super practical. I mean, interviews with successful founders, stories about raising massive venture capital, getting celebrity shout-outs. It's interesting and all, but as founders of bootstrap brands, we're in a different place. We need advice that we can apply right now to move to that next step. That's what we're all about here on the Bootstrap Branding Podcast. We'll have laid-back, informal conversations with founders who have just done what you need to do. Build your product, find your first customers, and all the other early-stage stuff that, frankly, makes or breaks you. Remember, you can catch up with all of this at bootstrapbranding.com. Let's start off. Can you just introduce us to yourself and the brand? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Katie. I'm the founder of Ayla. Um, Ayla is what we like to call an active wellness brand or an active nutrition brand. Um, so we make energy drink mixes made from uh, completely from superfoods and vitamins, as well as a low amount of organic caffeine. Um, and we make this to be actually a a better alternative to your pre-workout or your coffee or anything that you use to energize your day. Cool. And so why did you decide to start? I'm finding that with all, all these discussions, like it kind of starts off with the founder essentially needing or wanting a way or an alternative that they make themselves or that they develop for themselves and often that's that's how it sprouts. But is is it like that for you, or was it something else? It was exactly like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, so my background um, prior to starting Ayla was I worked for like ten years in advertising, sales, and partnerships, um, mostly on the publisher media side. Um, but on top of that, I've always been a just huge fitness consumer. Um, living in, I actually lived in LA before New York and, um, it was right around the time like soul cycle was like ramping up and kind of like disrupting boutique fitness, as you would say. And, um, I, living in both of those markets gave me a lot of easy access to try all these classes and like super specific workouts. And I really fell in love with it. Um, shortly after that, while I was in advertising, I also became a personal trainer myself. Um, and it was kind of through that, as well as my experience um, in fitness, you know, going to a class early in the morning before my workday, um, I started looking at pre-workout supplements, um, which are, if anyone's not familiar, they're pretty specific to fitness nutrition. They're formulated to boost your energy, boost your performance, um, ideally help you work out better and get out, get more out of your fitness routine. Um, but they're not all that great for you <laughs> in terms of the ingredients. Um, it's, it's a kind of an industry that's been traditionally marketed to, you know, really, um, intense athlete level people in fitness. Um, it hasn't really, it, it's starting to get better, but really the, the big players in that space are still using like 300 milligrams of caffeine, artificial flavors, um, even the marketing is like really intense. You know, there's brands called like Jolt and like, it, like it's really like, you know, <laughs> kind of made to make like, sorry, God. It sounds more like energy drinkish than fitness supplement when you talk a little about bit. 
Yeah. I mean, it depends like on the brand, but yeah, it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's like around, like they use the word like pump a lot. Cause there's an ingredient that is supposed to get, it's called not to get in the weeds, it's called beta alanine to get, um, more oxygen to your muscles. So you can ideally lift longer. That's pretty much what the whole like category is based around. And me being just, you know, a, a girl in my twenties that I was like, I'm just like going a soul cycle and, and going to yoga and going for a run. Like I'm not trying to bodybuild or, or do anything crazy. And I'm certainly not trying to put 300 milligrams of caffeine in my body at 7am. Um, so I just got really interested in like, I was already kind of interested in the wellness space and then looking at the performance space and seeing this huge disconnect in ingredients and marketing. And, um, I mean, they've for a while have pretty much completely looked over women like me that are just fitness is part of my lifestyle. I, I do it often, but I'm not doing it to, you know, compete for anything or like, I just, I really enjoy the community part of it, the social part of it. Um, and the mental part of it. So I really wanted to create something that um, kind of blended, you know, the active routine with functional plant-based ingredients that are good for you, that you can feel good about using every day um, and it not be, you know, an overload of caffeine and jitters. A lot of the products on the market are there's actually like a label on the back of some of these pre-workouts that say, says don't take consecutively for more than three weeks. And I thought that was crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I had, I had no idea. I mean, I don't, I personally um, don't, don't use supplements because yeah, I guess for me, fitness is like a, yeah, it's for the, it's for the fun aspect of it. Yeah. It's for the actual fitness aspect of it. But I, I didn't know that the industry was like that. I thought, that I guess it's reputed to be very underregulated, right? It's interesting. It's kind of like a common, you mean like supplements in general? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a common misconception because supplements are actually more regulated than some of your food um, oh. in terms of like the testing that's required. And, and yeah, it, it's, um, I've done a lot of like research and stuff about this and I'm by no means like an expert expert, but you know, there is, um, there's a lot of testing and stuff that's required in supplement manufacturers with the FDA. That's not always required with your food. Um, and on top of that, I think it, people hear this is that kind of like phrase that supplements have, this is not approved by the FDA, um, on all of their packaging. That's because if it was approved by the FDA, it would be a drug. So it's, it's kind of like a, an, a gray area of, um, misconception by all means, you should absolutely always, you know, pay attention to your ingredients and do your own research, talk to health professionals when you can. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the main difference. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you, you start off, you start off making something for yourself because you didn't find something on the market that really like did it for you that, that delivered what you wanted to deliver. Can, can you tell us about that? How, like, I guess that's what kind of starts your development. That kind of starts your development process maybe unofficially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, at that point I was like, I was using a lot of wellness products. Like I was trying, you know, different um, functional beverages, food blends, like matcha blends and turmeric blends, and a lot of, a lot of like in the superfood world. Um, 
and was doing a lot of my own research around like the benefits of some of these ingredients. Like for example, we use beetroot, um, which in the right dosage is comparable to that ingredient I mentioned earlier, the beta alanine. It's, it's high in nitrates, so it does assist in getting oxygen to your muscles faster and things like that. So I was kind of just like poking around with um, ingredients and honestly ordering stuff on Amazon and mixing it in my kitchen um, and getting like my friends to try it, my fiance to try it, um, just getting as much feedback as possible. Um, and then once I had something I liked, I got connected with, um, a food scientist, um, slash formulator who has, you know, experience in like amounts and dosages and putting these things together to help me fine tune it. Um, and then I just searched for, started my search for a manufacturing partner. <laughs> got it. So, so yeah. your first step after experimenting yourself was to get connected to to a food scientist it was kind of like by accident i mean i was i i knew i needed like and to be fair that the manufacturing partners usually have that in-house as well um but i had gotten connected with somebody yeah that was had a phd in plant-based nutrition and um was like really familiar with the space so and she worked in active nutrition before so she kind of worked with me on the side and like heard me out on what I was trying to do. Um, and I think too, like before that piece as well, I just started like in my fitness classes or at the gym or whatever within that community, just talking to other women that were like my age and my sort of routine and asking them if they've taken pre-workout before or what they drink before they go to the gym, if anything. Um, and you know, you get a lot of, Oh, I just have coffee, which is like, normal but there was actually like a lot of a lot of women that were taking like their boyfriend's pre-workout or had tried it and were just like this is not for me so I, I kind of found that in just chatting with people and trying to figure out if this is this could be a real thing so <laughs> and is it like by this time do you know you want to start a brand like you know you want it to be a business um no, I, I mean, I, yes and no, like I, I'm a first time founder. So I, I was, I kind of just started and was like, I'm going to put this out there. We, I was still working full time. We had no money. Um, I was, you know, funding it myself um, and getting kind of like a, a beta version of what I wanted to put out there. Um, but then I think from there, I was like, okay, I, I want to, we really just like launched it without much thought. <laughs> and then I kind of like worked backwards to, you know, fine tune messaging, get design, get like other things in order and built and built it from there. I would love to talk a little bit about that space between. So you're, you're working with a food scientist, I guess, to sort of hone or fine tune um, the, the recipe or the, or, or the formula and then, you know, you've got a, you obviously, you, you can make it for yourself and your friends in your kitchen, but you can't make it for public like retail consumption in your kitchen. Right. Laws against things like that. So you go with, a, right. you, you find a, um, a manufacturer, a co-packer, something along that, those lines. Right. Exactly. Can you, can you tell us, can you bring us through the space between those things? Because like, as I'm talking to 
as I'm talking to all, all of you guys, like there seems to be a bit of a struggle there. Number one, like getting taken seriously by co-packers because maybe they're working with people who have a good deal of capital and, and are able to put through orders for significant amounts of product yeah. to begin with. And it tends, everybody kind of says the same thing, which is like, you got to just gift to hunt. Like you got to, you have a list and you just got to go through the list and go through and go through and go through and you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Like you'll find someone. Was it like that for you? Yeah, I, it is the, like, you know, when I think about our partners across like marketing, content design, um, it, and then I think of like our, our manufacturing side of the business, it's, it's a completely different world. Um, there's a lot of, um, manufacturers, co-packers that have been around for a very long time. It's a very old industry and they're being bombarded probably by these new wellness brands that they're not really used to dealing with. Um, they're startups, they're small, they're looking for small orders to, to test the water, um, they're looking to create their own formulas, which is what we did. It's, it's not, um, super common in, I can't say, you know, on a numbers basis, I don't know what the breakout would be, but generally like those larger supplement conglomerates that have been around forever, um, probably walked into a manufacturer and said, make me this, um, rather than bringing them the ingredients and the suppliers that they wanted to use and then saying, don't, don't like just blend it for me and put it in packaging, but I want to own that the supplier realm and, and all of that and the ingredients. That's how you kind of truly own the formula. Um, but I digress, but it, it is very, it was very challenging for me to find a, a co-manufacturer that would work on a smaller minimum order. Um, and unfortunately that there's really no way around, um, you can definitely find those manufacturers, but your cogs are just going to be a lot higher than they would be if you were to invest a lot more upfront. Um, you also have to think about, you know, if uh, supplements, it depends on the, the ingredients, but um, you have to think about shelf life. If your product has a shelf life, it makes sense to invest in a huge amount. If you really think you can move that much product in that amount of time, um, there's the retailer aspect. A lot of these retailers want to have like 80% of the shelf life by the time they get the product. And if you're past that, it's like, what do you, you know, where are you going to put it? Um, so we started out small, um, and we still do small runs. Um, that's just kind of what works with us for us for now, but it is, it's challenging. You really have to something I wish that I maybe had more of when I was searching was like just an advisor that had done that before that could be like this. Yes or no, this is a good, this is a good one. This is a bad one. I kind of just had to find out for myself. <laughs> and, and what did you, what did you learn about how to assess them? Like what, what ended up being the criteria for a good one and what ended up being like the, the spidey sense or like the smell test for somebody you didn't want to be in business with? Yeah. Um, I mean, like making sure, um, well, we did, we did get around some of the, the, um, roadblocks given that we supply our own ingredients. Cause we had all of our paperwork for each ingredient. You get kind of, it's called like a certificate of analysis for each ingredient. Um, sometimes if you're not the one supplying the ingredients, it can be hard to get that information from the co-manufacturer. So we, 
luckily we're able to kind of bypass that, that process since we were owning all of it. Um, I mean, there's (laughs) even now, like I wish there was more, um, you know, I'm a, I was in sales for, before I got into this, I'm used to, I'm digitally native. I'm used to lots of email communication, lots of slacking and, you know, all of these things, um, touch bases, um, that industry does not operate that way. (laughs) So it's a little bit of like, um, trusting that, like, you know, they've been doing this for a long time and you don't need to email them every week and see how things are going, which is something like is foreign to me. I'm always wanting to like get an update. Um, but I mean, I like our partner now is, is solid in that area in terms of like communication. Um, he lets us supply all of our own ingredients, work with the suppliers we want to, they do multiple rounds of third-party testing. Um, and they're kind of like full service in terms of, uh, packaging we might need in the future, kitting, um, for retailers and that sort of thing. So we went through probably, this is our third co-packer. So, (laughs) wow. And how, and how long has the business, how long has the business been in existence? About two years. Okay. Got so it. yeah, small runs with like three different co-packers. <laughs> gotcha. And yeah. With that first run, like, did you know, did you know exactly how you were going to go sell or did like X, X thousand packets of Ayla show up at your door and you're like, now I got to go figure this part out. Um, the second part, the <laughs> second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even have our first like beta test was like, I didn't even have display packaging. I was like sending out, you know, I was still fulfilling myself at the time and I was shipping in like pouches that we made for like different quantities of packets basically. And was just sending that way. Um, I was doing a lot of sampling at gyms um, dropping samples off to trainers, to different, I tried to do some retailers in New York, but they were like, you don't even have any display packaging, honey. We can't (laughs) can't do this completely green. Like didn't, didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've, I have heard stories where people say that like they're how unfamiliar they were with like the the expectations or the norms of that was actually ended up being their strength. Like it was part of why they are successful. Like they didn't really saddle themselves with putting too many rules on themselves. Did did you find that true? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm still figuring that out. There's a (laughs) lot I didn't, there's a lot I didn't know when I started that I know now. Um, but you know, had we like really put a lot of money in upfront and started like just going, trying to go into retailers, I think we would have died out very fast. Cause it's such a, that Avenue is so expensive, um, in terms of like supporting those orders and just jumping into a big retailer when you have no brand equity is, is not something that I want to do. Um, so uh, we're, I think we really started out of like word of mouth and just finding other women that were 
interested in the same sort of product. Um, I'm actually having like in the middle of customer interviews where I'm talking to people and asking like what they like, what they don't like, what they were going to use if they didn't use us. And it's an overwhelming like cult of women that were looking for a pre-workout, but hated the, the crazy stuff that was out there. And was the best way to connect with them via the gyms, like via the trainers, was that, that, that was, was that like the right vein? In the beginning. Yeah. Um, that was like the easiest way was to just start in New York and start locally and, um, you know, getting, um, we did some like ambassador stuff early on that helped us get the word out. Yeah. Got it. So that's, I think that's, it's kind of important to know, especially now that digital advertising, like it's, it's getting harder, it's getting more expensive and it might not, not even be the best way to launch, right? Like, I think people are maybe figuring out that you have, you have like radiators or you have diffusers that can get you in touch with your ideal customer. And it sounds like for you, it was where people go to get fit, be that with a personal trainer or at a gym. Um, so it, it's been interesting to hear those, hear those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook still doesn't do a whole lot for us. <laughs> we, yeah, we, well, we just kind of started really even spending there. We hadn't for a while. Um, and we're still figuring it out. I, I'm familiar, like I can make my way around ads manager, but I, I'm interested to see if the people, if the brand's starting in a post iOS 14 world will have an easier time because they're not like I'm, I've talked to a lot of DUC founders that have been around longer than mine and have scaled much faster than mine. And they're all, they're all like not doing well right now um, with all the changes, not all of them, but just some that I've talked to. And I'm kind of um, relieved that I, I didn't go in really hard early with that because <laughs> right. maybe there's opportunity to figure this out in a new data world um, to have it as a channel, but it's not our, it's not a top channel for us. We do actually a lot better with like organic Google search and things like that. Oh, so is content a big play for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have like a, a blog strategy, um, that we use to bring in other users. Um, and honestly like organic Instagram, um, content, email, mostly those channels. One thing I really, what I have here in my notes is the brand has a really, really polished aesthetic. Like it's, it's very oh, impressive thanks. packaging. The, the site looks great. And I think you said the brand's been around for three years and your first order, like you're packing it. It, it seems like a world apart from that story you told. Like if you go and look at the site now that, and I encourage anybody listening to do so, I think it's, it's a class example. Um, and I, you thanks. know, I love love the I love the packaging I just think the aesthetic is really like sophisticated in the sense that it's it's extremely well done like can you can you take us through how you developed it did the early feedback help shape it yeah I think um I'll have to send you a picture of what our packaging used to look like we had a much um honestly when we first started and the first um really small I don't even know if it was an agency it was kind of a a couple freelancers that were grouped together. They didn't have like a full service agency, but 
we needed someone to um, build our Shopify storefront. And um, I didn't have any packaging design either. And they kind of like threw it into the, to the, the web design package that we did with them, um, which was great. But knowing now what I know about like the science of CPG packaging design, I probably will never let a web designer <laughs> design a, a, a physical product. No offense, but like it's, a, it's, that's something I've definitely learned more of is it's a, science more than an art when you're a product that is benefits first and really trying to showcase that. Um, so we, you know, our, our packaging early on was kind of bland and not really, it didn't, I was out there with this like energy product with a really kind of muted bland packaging that didn't really explain what the product was for and what it was going to do. Um, so the second time around, uh, I worked with, a another designer who's become actually a really good friend who's really, really good at um, packaging design um, and also getting some help from people that are experts in the space in terms of like what retailers look for. Um, that's really the, the thing that I've noticed of like brands, um, brands in the supplement space, there's kind of like two ways to go. You can either be like, really brand first, like really unique packaging, but like the average person looking at it doesn't know what it is, um, which is fine to do that. But I think usually you have to have the funds to really build up the brand awareness. So people know the brand first versus like, if you, if you're bootstrapped or something, it's really important that someone can see on your packaging, if they're passing by you in a Whole Foods for 30 seconds, what exactly it is. <laughs> versus like some abstract kind of design. Yeah, we've heard the same from other people in these conversations, right? Like you can't, like don't get too fancy. You're, you're, you need to communicate the brand, but you, if you're just trying to break through as a product, like if you're brand new and people don't know you yet, you have yeah. to really effectively communicate in the three seconds you've got the eye. Yeah, and that goes for everything. And that's something that like, you know, I think D to C, like there's this glamour glamorization of having like a really cool abstract website and like, but if people aren't converting it, that, which like a lot of the times with those really like, it, I don't really know the word for it, but like just not user-friendly sites, but they look cool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you've got to have another strategy there then to get people to buy, whether it's like real brand awareness or like, a celebrity behind it or something like that because i think in the early days what really matters is ease of communication across your packaging or across your website like do what converts first and then once you build things up you can get a little fancier um but yeah that's kind of my my opinion <laughs> yeah my i think like you've got to have somebody in your life who is brutally honest with you in those types of things and maybe somewhat represents the person you're trying to reach, whether or not they're directly okay. like your core customer. If they share maybe some of the familiarity level or the mindset, that's always helpful. And like, for me, it's my wife. She does not, she doesn't pull any punches. Um, so when we're going through, like we're kind of doing, you know, redesigns of commons packaging right now and i just you know i'll show her stuff and she'll look at it for five seconds and be like i don't know what it is and then she'll go back to what 
she was doing. And like, I, that, that tells me like it, it was yeah. too fun. Like it was, it just wasn't on the mark. It didn't communicate what it needed to communicate, you know? Yeah. That's what our first packaging did for sure. Like you, if you had me there with you telling you what it was great, but that's only going to happen like 0.2% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> So that, yes, that's really important. That's a, that was a lesson learned for us, and it sounds like that it's it's getting to be like a fact amongst all these conversations, you know. Um, yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about how you're growing the brand right now? Because you said so, advertising, digital advertising, not a big thing for you. Are you? I've noticed that you guys have gotten press, um, and that seems to be. That, that seems to make a lot of sense. It also seems to be a product that can lend itself to the world of press really well. Like there's no shortage of publications that would be interested in writing about um, this type of product. So that, that's probably really important. Are you, are you in, um, you're in retail partners now, right? Yeah, we are with, um, free, uh, we launched on Free People yesterday. Um, and then urban outfitters a couple weeks ago, um, we're also doing some like subscription box partnerships, um, and wholesale partnerships there. Um, we're on Amazon and it's been great. Honestly, I do like nothing with it and it's, (laughs) it works well. Um, so that's been really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, we're doing paid, but it's just not a, we're, we're dipping our toes until we see something that works versus just say, throwing thousands of dollars out of the gate. Um, but yeah, the press has been really great. We're doing a big PR push right now. Um, I had a media event earlier this week, so that was good. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, retail will be super important in the next year. Um, but doing it in a way that's smart, it's a very, cash intensive way to go. Um, but I think just with everything that's going on, you need to have like every, I feel like every brand just needs to be omni-channel and and thinking about other avenues. Um, we also are launching, um, or we're kind of rolling it out now. Actually, we've been doing a lot of ambassador, um, doing affiliate and then doing a lot of ambassador partnerships with female college athletes, um, after the NCAA news. So excited to see how that goes <laughs> oh, congratulations that sounds like that Thanks. sounds like an incredible fit for you yeah i i was excited and we got an overwhelming response um from that community of like these you know and we're we're you know looking at male athletes as well but i think like female athletes have you know maybe been a little more overlooked they care a lot about women-owned brands um they care about better ingredients, sustainability, um, what they care about the story behind the brand. So it's been really good so far. Well, I think you kind of pointed to it earlier in, in the chat, in, in our chat here, right? Like a lot of, the, a lot of supplement marketing, like there's there, I, I just kind of, I kind of, when I think about it, like in my head, I just see images of like, like sort of like drawings of shirts that are just absolutely ripped. And like, that's the only, like, that's, that's like the brand, like that's the branding that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's honestly, I find that kind of weird in 2021, but um, 
but it hasn't, it's one of those things where there's tons and tons and tons of products. I mean, I can't imagine how many thousands of SKUs there are out there if you just search pre-workout supplement. It's got to be mountains, right? But even then, I think of them pretty like monolithically in my head. I feel like I've only really seen one aesthetic, one approach, one position. And it's very male-oriented one. It's like, it's just all about getting ripped and getting swole. I'm like, that's it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and you'll see, like, actually, there was a great, I posted on my LinkedIn the other day, a great um, article about the active nutrition opportunity right now and what it was versus what it's becoming. And you see a lot of these performance brands that have traditionally leaned into these pre-workout supplements are moving towards like energy in general, like they're launching energy drink brands. They're still not, you know, they're still kind of like similar ingredients, but they're changing their formats to sort of appeal for this less athlete persona. Um, But there's still, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. I mean, we appealing to like a, a woman that goes to, you know, bar classes or something like that in terms of branding and messaging is, is completely different than like these energy drink. Like you said, like it's, it's completely turned off people like me for so long. Cause I think they've just assumed that women don't care that much about fitness. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's on in, like an underserved population, right? Yeah. It's, I hesitate to call it a niche. Cause like, I feel like I'm, I'm also, you know, putting on my, like I live in New York city. So there's millions of women here that, you know, go to classes and stuff. It's not like that everywhere, but you know, I don't think it's a niche anymore of, of active women. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And I think that probably brands like, like brands like outdoor voices maybe kind of help bubble that up, which is you don't have to, you don't have to be a marathoner. Like that, you can, that's you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, I looked to, I looked to OV a lot when we were, when I was like, well, thinking about launching the brand and I was trying to think of like, who we would be like, or who would be good partners and outdoor voices did exactly what we're doing and hoping to continue to do to like fitness, active nutrition is make it less serious and performance. Like I remember listening to Ty Haney of outdoor voices talk about like when she was an athlete and everybody she saw on these like Nike ads where it was like LeBron James and, you know, (laughs) like, which is great. It's aspirational, you know, but there's room for the everyday active person um, in your marketing strategy. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Katie. This was, this was really enlightening. Great to hear your story. Um, Thanks. Where should people, where should people catch up with you? Where, where should people learn more about the brand? Yeah. Um, so we are, our website is meetala.com, like meet your friend, M E E T A I L A.com. And same thing on Instagram. Um, at me, Ayla. And uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot. So <laughs> Katie Webb on Twitter. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Hey, Rohan here again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you learned something that you can use right away with your own brand. Make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. And please leave a rating or a review. It really helps. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Catch up with me at bootstrapbranding.com. Take care. Stay tuned for the next one.